Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Do you take the Bible literally? Well, some of you might have a quick answer, but if you're like me, some of you might also get a little bit of a knot in your stomach, and it's a question we're going to consider today. Hey, Hopeful, welcome to today's part of our journey together, reading through the Bible and considering life along the way, including an important interpretive question, do you take the Bible literally? Well, I'm going to tell you a little story in our Always Be Ready segment, but the short answer is, of course you do regardless of even your initial gut reaction. Now, to be fair, the answer is nuanced and a bit longer than we're going to get to in the Bible reading segment. So I'm going to tackle that again in that Always Be Ready segment. But here's the reason I asked. It is a question that very frequently is misunderstood because it's misdiagnosed, like the word evangelical or conservative or liberal. I asked the question because the way we're going to end up today's New Testament segment, Matthew 25, which also happens to be the very end of the last of Jesus' five discourses or speeches in the book of Matthew, is going to give you a little something to think about when it comes to asking that question. Matthew chapter 25. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. And when the foolish took their lamps, they didn't take oil with them. But the wise ones took oil in their flasks with their lamps. And when the groom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. In the middle of the night, there was a shout, Here's the groom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, Give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. And the wise ones answered, No, there won't be enough for us and for you. Go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. And when they had gone out to buy some, the groom arrived, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the rest of the virgins also came and said, Master, Master, open up for us. And he replied, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, be alert, because you don't know either the day or the hour. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them, and to one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. Then he went on a journey, and immediately the man who had received the five talents went put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man who, with two, earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents? See, I've earned five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. 
The man with two talents also approached and said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. The man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. His master replied to him, You evil, lazy servant, if you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers, and I would have received my money back with interest when I returned. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the man, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will be separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these my brothers and sisters, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't take me in. I was naked, and you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you didn't care for me. Then they too will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or without clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? And then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. And my friends, here's the, here's the line. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And that is Matthew 25. <laughs> we like eternal life, but eternal punishment? Uh, my friends, that should make us think a little bit. That's what I was referring to. So please, again, catch that Always Be Ready segment uh, later today, and you'll, you'll learn why I think that word literal is one we should be careful with, and I will bring some clarity to applying it to something like what we were just reading. But our Old Testament segment is up next, and uh, in this segment, which is in both Kings and Chronicles today, this is where those two books diverge a, uh, a little bit. So I'm going to treat them a little bit separately. In Kings, we just heard that the northern kingdom of Israel 
uh, King Ahab's underlying rejection of God's will is brought to light by, uh, well, I, frankly, it was a strange story, once again involving an anonymous prophet. And Ahab has just stormed off angry. First Kings chapter 21. Some time passed after these events. Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard. It was in Jezreel next to the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard so I can have it for my vegetable garden, since it's right next to the palace. I will give you a better vineyard in its place, or if you prefer, I'll give you its value in silver. But Naboth said to Ahab, As the Lord is my witness, I will never give my ancestors inheritance to you. So Ahab went into his palace resentful and angry because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had told him. He had said, I will not give you my ancestors' inheritance. And he lay down on his bed, turned his face away, and didn't eat any food. Then his wife Jezebel came to him and said to him, Why are you so upset that you refuse to eat? Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite, he replied. I told him, give me your vineyard for silver, or if you wish, I'll give you a vineyard in its place. But he said, I won't give you my vineyard. And then his wife Jezebel said to him, Now exercise your royal power over Israel. Get up, eat some food, and be happy, for I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. She sent the letters to the elders and nobles who lived with Naboth in his city. In the letters she wrote, Proclaim a fast and seat Naboth at the head of the table. Then seat two wicked men opposite him and have them testify against him, saying, You have cursed God and the king. And then take him out and stone him to death. The men of his city, the elders and nobles who lived in his city, did as Jezebel had sent word to them, just as it was written in the letters she had sent. They proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth at the head of the table. And the two wicked men came in and sat opposite him. And then the wicked men testified against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth has cursed God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. And they sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned to death. When Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, Get up and take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite who refused to give it to you for silver since Naboth isn't alive, but dead. When Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he got up to go down to the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite to take possession of it. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Get up and go to meet King Ahab of Israel, who is in Samaria. He's in Naboth's vineyard where he has gone to take possession of it. Tell him, this is what the Lord says. Have you murdered and also taken possession? Then tell him, this is what the Lord says, in the place where the dogs licked up Naboth's blood, the dogs will lick up your blood. Ahab said to Elijah, So, my enemy, you found me, have you? And he replied, I have found you because you have devoted yourself to do what is evil in the Lord's sight. This is what the Lord says, I am about to bring disaster on you and will eradicate your descendants. I will wipe out all Ahab's males, both slave and free, in Israel. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, son of Ahijah, because you have angered me and caused Israel to sin. 
The Lord also speaks of Jezebel. The dogs will eat Jezebel in the plot of land at Jezreel. Anyone who belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, the dogs will eat, and anyone who dies in the field, the birds will eat. Still, there was no one like Ahab who devoted himself to do what was evil in the Lord's sight, because his wife Jezebel incited him. He committed the most detestable acts by following idols as the Amorites had, whom the Lord had dispossessed before the Israelites. And when Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, put sackcloth over his body, and fasted. He lay down in sackcloth and walked around subdued. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? I will not bring the disaster during his lifetime, because he has humbled himself before me. I will bring the disaster on his house during his son's lifetime. And that is 1 Kings 21. Which you're just going to have to kind of sit with. We're going to have a little... um, We're going to have to suspend time a little bit. Despite the fact that the Old Testament reading plan I I use attempts to make a chronological... um, reading as much as possible. Obviously, the Bible isn't written one clean narrative like reading a book of today. So, we're jumping over to the southern kingdom of Israel. King Asa has just died, and now we're at Second Chronicles 17. His son Jehoshaphat became king in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. He stationed troops in every fortified city of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim that his father Asa had captured. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked by his commands, not according to the practices of Israel. So the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, then all Judah brought him tribute, and he had riches and honor in abundance. He took great pride in the Lord's ways, and he again removed the high places and Asherah poles from Judah. In the third year of his reign, Jehoshaphat sent his officials, Ben-Hail, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nethanel, and Micaiah, to teach in the cities of Judah. Pause. If some of those names sound familiar, you're right. Obadiah, Zechariah are books that we catch in um, what is sometimes called the Book of the Twelve, right? The Twelve Minor Prophets. And and hence why reading the Old Testament can sometimes be massive because it's not, because there are, there are concurrent things happening elsewhere in the Bible, even just besides Kings and Chronicles. All right, we'll get back to it. In the third year of his reign, Jehoshaphat sent his officials, Ben-Hael, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nethanel, and Micaiah, to teach in the cities of Judah. The Levites with them were Shemaiah, Nethaniah, Zebediah, Asahel, Shemiramoth, Jehonathan, Adonijah, Tobijah, and Tobanijah. The priests, Elishama and Jehoram, were with these Levites. They taught throughout Judah, having the book of the Lord's instruction with them. They went throughout the towns of Judah and taught the people. The terror of the Lord was on all the kingdoms of the lands that surrounded Judah, so they didn't fight against Jehoshaphat. Some of the Philistines also brought gifts and silver as tribute to Jehoshaphat, and the Arabs brought him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. 
Jehoshaphat grew stronger and stronger. He built fortresses and storage cities in Judah and carried out great works in the towns of Judah. He had fighting men, valiant warriors in Jerusalem. These are their numbers according to their ancestral families. For Judah, the commanders of thousands, Adnah the commander and 300,000 valiant warriors with him, next to him Jehoanan, the commander and 280,000 with him, next to him Amasiah, son of Zikri, the volunteer of the Lord, and 200,000 valiant warriors with him. From Benjamin, Eliada, a valiant warrior, and 200,000 with him, armed with bow and shield. Next to him, Jehazabad, and 180,000 with him, equipped for war. These were the ones who served the king, besides those who he stationed in the fortified cities throughout all Judah. And that is Second Chronicles 17. Uh, today's one of those days I wish I had the time to go look up Amasiah, son of Zikri, the volunteer of the Lord. Interesting little line there. Well, we're going to close up today with uh, a wisdom segment in the book of Proverbs. And we pick up today in chapter 22 at verse 17. Listen closely, pay attention to the words of the wise, and apply your mind to my knowledge. For it is pleasing if you keep them within you, and if they are constantly on your lips. I have instructed you today, even you, so that your confidence may be in the Lord. Haven't I written for you thirty sayings about counsel and knowledge in order to teach you true and reliable words, so that you may give a dependable report to those who sent you? Don't rob a poor person because he is poor, and don't crush the oppressed at the city gate, for the Lord will champion their cause and will plunder those who plunder them. And my friends, that gets us up through verse 23. And begins an interesting kind of section of Proverbs, sometimes referred to as the 30 sayings of the wise. And uh, we'll dig into that a little bit more tomorrow. But here's why I think that's kind of interesting relative to the opening question. Do you take the Bible literally? Because the good example that we just got done seeing was the king in Judah going forth and and helping the people learn, right? And we just heard what the proverb collector, in this case, likely Solomon, says, haven't I written for you 30 sayings about the about counsel and knowledge in order to teach you true and reliable words so that you may give a dependable report to those who sent you? My friends, we live in a world which often isn't even arguing what is true and false. It argues that Christianity is bad. But we have truth on our side. And I don't know any other way to get to the good than the true. Because that's how God ordained it. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.